Hello, and welcome back to the Best Ever or Guilty Pleasure podcast. My name is Jarrett, and I love movies. I apologize for the really long break. Uh, life just kind of caught up to me, and I am uh, just now able to kind of get myself back. Uh, however, I think today we have a really good reintroduction to the podcast. Uh, we will be watching a really mind-bending one. This movie has a lot of twists and turns, including a pretty big one at the end. Today, we will be watching Fight Club. Released in 1999, this movie was not a hit from the very start. It's dark, gritty, and really weird. Based on a book by Chuck Palahniuk, the movie stars Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, and Helena Bonham, Bonham Carter. Currently, it is a 79% critic rating and a whopping 97% audience rating on, on Rotten Tomatoes. It's frequently in the conversation for one of the greatest movies of all time. It became a cult classic over time, however. The movie was directed by David Fincher, who also had directed Seven just prior to this movie. He was already a prolific music video director, working with stars such as Iggy Pop, Billy Idol, Madonna, and Aerosmith. He would go on to direct The Social Network and Gone Girl. David's work is usually very dark and contrasty, I guess, in the art style. That particular style really fit this movie. I uh, don't remember Brad Pitt or Edward Norton being household names at this point, uh, but Brad Pitt was arguably more famous. Edward Norton was in American History X, which was one of my favorite movies. Brad Pitt starred in David, David Fincher 7 just, just prior to this movie. This movie was controversial from the get-go. People were concerned about the level of violence in the movie. The movie features a literal fight club. The concern was that people would form fight clubs in response to the movie. There were some instances of men starting some, including one uh, Christian fight club led by Pastor Mark Driscoll, who was obsessed with the movie. But the controversy was, as always, very overblown in that sense. Reviews were initially mixed, often because the critics were saying that the movie was, as Roger Ebert put it, a thrill ride masquerading as philosophy. People didn't appreciate what they considered to be pretentious. I admit, I feel like a lot of the fans of this movie consider themselves to be self-proclaimed cinephiles. Yes, it's good, and yes, the ending is shocking when you first see it. There's a lot of symbolism and metaphors in the movie, but I wouldn't fully describe it as pretentious. I would describe as some of the fans of this movie like that. Sorry, not sorry. I didn't see this movie until college because it came out when I was still young and I obviously wasn't able to watch it. I'm glad I waited though because I wouldn't have appreciated it as much. It would have been just a cool movie where people beat, beat each other up. I wouldn't really have appreciated the nuances. This movie isn't designed to be watched just casually. It also isn't designed to be just watched once. I'm excited to see it again after so long uh, to see if I'd notice anything that they may have been hiding in plain sight or something I didn't notice previously. I remember watching this movie multiple times after seeing it the first time. There are a few hints to the ending that went over my head the first time I watched it. I'm sure, again, that was by design. This is an example of a movie where... Most of the movie, the, the pretty much everything that's put into it is intentional. You can watch it at face value and enjoy it, but there are a lot of details that you miss if you don't pay attention. And you 
have to sort of watch the movie multiple times to really catch it all. I love a movie that makes me think. Uh, the movie only grossed $101 million at the box office, which sounds like a lot, but they were definitely banking for a lot more. The movie essentially broke even with the U.S. box office. It wasn't until the DVD release that the movie really shone. The two-disc special edition had a ton of extras that made it a huge commodity. It was the highest-selling home media release for 20th Century Fox, the distribution company that made it, uh, that put it out 10 years after it was released. While it didn't enjoy the critical su success that Shawshank Redemption received, it definitely gained cult status over time. Like I mentioned before, it has a 97% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes with over 250,000 ratings. That's impressive, to say the least. Uh, Shawshank is only 98%. Next up, I will watch the movie, and I will take notes on what I see. I'm trying to see if the movie is the best ever or a guilty pleasure. Spoiler warning here. If you haven't watched the movie, pause this podcast, watch the movie, and then come back. And we're back. Man, I needed to watch this movie more often. It is so good. Obviously, watching it, trying to see as much as I can as I just did, I'm still noticing things that I overlooked previously. So there's a lot to talk about. Let's get started. First, I want to talk about subversion. This whole movie is a subversion. It's meant to deceive the audience and distract from what's really going on. Tyler is the narrator. I'm going to call the narrator Sebastian from now on, and I'll explain that, explain why later. Watching through for the first time, the reveal at the end is shocking. The hints are pretty subtle, but I feel watching it whenever I was watched it before, uh, it was really a shock. Uh, some twists in movies you see it coming, but this one, I, I don't remember seeing that twist. Now, having seen it before and really paying attention, the clues are all in there. There's a ton. I had to pause and rewind a several times to catch some of them. Uh, I'll try to go over them as best I can. I, and I know I mentioned spoilers earlier, earlier but to be honest, I'm going to go deep into spoiler territory. So if you haven't watched this movie... Uh, before, um, or, or if you don't know the twist, uh, but you want to be told the clues, then, then you might want to skip ahead. Uh, before we formally meet Tyler, we see him flash on the screen for a split second. Uh, once while Sebastian is making, is talking about copies in his office, once while he's watching Marla walk away after one of the support groups, once while he is asking the doctor about sleeping pills, and once again during the testicular cancer support group. These are single frames that are a callback. Uh, well, well, not really a callback because we, we don't really learn why they're in there until later. Uh, Tyler has a night job as a projectionist, and he splices single frames of porn into family movies. Uh, this has a similar effect to what the, the flashes of Tyler that we see earlier in the movie. Tyler actually shows up two more times before we formally meet him. Uh, one is pretty obvious, where we see him going to the uh, going the other way on the moving path at the airport. But one that a lot of people miss, including myself, uh, often, uh, is that Tyler is featured as a waiter in the welcoming welcoming video for Bridgeworth Suites. That is uh, one of the jobs that Sebastian works as Tyler to help fund Project Mayhem, but that's not explicitly mentioned until later. There are several throwaway comments that Sebastian makes toward uh, that hint toward Tyler being him. On the plane, he comments that their briefcases are the same. 
He also sees Tyler steal a car from the airport. Then when he goes to his house later that night, he asks him where the car is. Later on in the movie, he says that besides when they are having sex, Tyler and Marla are never in the same room. That's because when they're having sex, he is Tyler. But when he's not, he's Sebastian. These comments are often overlooked and make sense contextually, but they are hints towards the eventual twist. There are a couple more things that I noticed, uh, a few, and a few that I found while doing some research after watching the movie, because there's just so much I had to kind of do that. First, the payphone. Sebastian calls Tyler, and he doesn't pick up. Then the payphone rings, and lo and behold, it's Tyler. If you look closely, the payphone says, no incoming calls allowed, meaning that Tyler wouldn't have been able to call him back. Another one that is super subtle, but after seeing this scene, and again, after looking this up, it's, it's really cool. When Tyler is getting beat up by Lou, the owner of the bar, there's a shot where Sebastian is standing away from Lou and Tyler, but, but, but all of them are in the scene. And when Tyler gets hit in the stomach by Lou, Sebastian re- reacts very slightly, flinching his lower half and, and, and looking down as if he just got hit. It's a subtle hint that it's actually him getting beat up by Lou and not Tyler. Another uh, big-ish clue is that is often overlooked for a very good reason is the car crash scene. In that scene, Tyler is supposedly driving. He crashes the car, and it gets turned over. He gets out and pulls Sebastian out of the car. However, Tyler gets out of the passenger side and pulls Sebastian out of the driver's side. It's easily missed because the car is upside down, so it looks right in the moment, but most people are just shocked by the crash and wondering if anybody is still living at that point to uh, really pay attention and see who is coming out of the right side of the car. Uh, it's, it's, again, an amazing example of subversion. Uh, the major theme of the movie, really, arguably, is mental health. Clearly, the characters in this movie are not well. Sebastian is the most unwell, but we'll talk about him in a bit. Marla, in Chuck Palahniuk's own words, is the most honest character in the movie. She is unabashedly herself. She provides an addi- additional clues to the duality of Sebastian, as he often asks her questions like, what was she doing in his house? And then she was confused about that. She cleverly did not respond in a way that gave away the twist, but that I mean that's a clue right there. The ending of the movie is different from the book, but Chuck, Chuck Palahniuk liked the ending of the movie because it emphasized the romance, which is a typical Hollywood, Hollywood thing to do. Uh, he knew it would be more appealing to help get the movie sold. Marla accepted Sebastian for who he was at the end, despite the fact that he was also Tyler. Sebastian, uh, depressed because of the consumerism that runs his life, develops a severe case of what can appear to be Dissociative Identity Disorder. Chuck Palahniuk said in an interview interview that he has something called dissociative schizophrenia. This is not a real disorder. Dissociative Identity Disorder is characterized as the presence of at least two distinct personality states. Memory gaps are also present. Now, some people struggle with the portrayal of dissociative identity disorder in this movie. It's often exaggerated into what people consider dangerous territory. Uh, people often have a negative connotation of the disorder because of those uh, of those portrayals. 
I feel like the reaction to Fight Club is is warm because of of a few things. Chuck Palahniuk never explicitly says what Sebastian has. Uh, Tyler is uh, in the book or the movie. Uh, Tyler is not referred to as an alter personality, but rather an an alter ego. Uh, he is the antithesis of Sebastian. Yes, people will make this the assumption that Sebastian has dis- dissociative identity disorder, but I, I believe the official word is that what Sebastian has in terms of a disorder is fictional for a reason. Mental health is often inserted into movies as a way to create flawed characters that people can identify with. They can also make for serious entertainment. The mental health community is very active in trying to dispel some of the damage done by lazily inserting inserting mental health concerns into movies. It's better now, but it's still not perfect. Fight Club came out in 1999, which, to be honest, back then there was different rules. Uh, does that excuse the possible damage that it did to the dissociative identity community? No, but... In the author's defense, they they did try to not associate it explicitly with the disorder. Now to the reason why I've been calling the narrator Sebastian. Um, Chuck Palahniuk, in the book, um, didn't name him either. However, the book and the movie are not the end of the story. In 2015, Chuck Palahniuk released a graphic novel called Fight Club 2. He was wanting to continue the story in a different medium. He was convinced that to continue the story, uh, he wanted um, he he was convinced to continue the story by some fellow writers, some of which are comic book writers. The story is set ten years after the event of the book, not the movie. Uh, it identifies the narrator as Sebastian pretty early on. Uh, apparently, he married Marla and they had a child, sort of. Uh, in typical comic book fashion, it goes off the rails. Quickly, I read it, and boy, uh, I don't, I don't know if you'll want to read it. But spoiler ahead, uh, keep in mind this is all canon because it's written by the original author, and that it is a continuation of the book, not the movie. Even though some of them share some similarities. In the comic, Marla is intent on resurrecting Tyler, as he has been mostly dormant since the end of the book because uh, Sebastian took some medication to to suppress him. In succeeding that, she unknowingly unleashes an ever-escalating Tyler into the world. So he um, he graduated from Project Mayhem to an actual terrorist organization called Rise, spelled with a Z, or Die. Apparently, Tyler convinced a psychiatrist who can hypnotize him into letting Tyler out for one hour a day, three days a week, to create this organization. Okay, that sounds crazy, but hold on to your seats. Marla goes back to support groups, finding one for something called progeria, which is a, which is a, a disease that makes children appear older than they are and has a pretty prog- pretty poor prognosis. Uh, she convinces one of those children to make uh, to use her make a wish called magic wand in this universe to send her into war zones with weapons to try to stop Tyler. This child turns out to be Chloe from the cancer group from the movie and the book, who didn't actually die, but decided to pretend to be a child with progeria. Again, hopefully you're still with me. Uh, Tyler is not an alter ego, but he is apparently a 
virus that is genetic. Yeah, genetic. So Tyler has infected Sebastian's child with Marla, who is apparently supposed to take over and continue destroying the world. Also, Chuck Palahniuk and the writers who convinced him to write the sequel appear in the comic, Breaking the Fourth Wall. Palahniuk writes an ending, but fans of the movie don't like it and attach the um, you know, attach their own um, ending to the end of the book, which uh, includes resurrecting Robert Paulson and rescuing everyone, including Tyler, who was supposed to die in the original ending of the comic. It's super meta and, and frankly... Really weird. Really weird. It was not meant well, to be honest. Uh, and <laughs> but there is a sequel to it. So Fight Club Three released uh, across twelve issues in 2019. Despite Fight Club being two, Fight Club, Fight Club Two being crazy, um, I, I I don't know if I'm really going to read Fight Club Three. It, it I, I I don't know if I have enough in me to be able to see to watch that uh, to to read that. Uh, a few more things before we end. First, this movie is set in and came out in the late 90s. While I feel, despite this, this movie is weirdly timeless. I mean, there's some stuff that dates the movie. Uh, first was mentioned earlier, the payphone, which don't really exist anymore, but they were really important back in 99 as cell phones were rare. Tyler also says that he star 69's the payphone, which is a thing that you did back in the day on landlines you could dialing star 69 would call the number that last called you back uh you could also star 67 to hide your number if the person has caller id uh which by the way used to be a separate device they the caller id was not part of the phone you actually had a box that was the caller id crazy anyway uh and then a big one was the ikea catalog Back in the day, there weren't as many Ikea stores. There are only about 70 of them in the U.S., so back in 99, I bet there were a lot fewer. I couldn't figure out the exact numbers, but I, I know that there definitely was very few back then. Uh, ordering from catalogs is kind of pretty crazy to think about these days. Uh, you would get the catalog, call the number, and give them the item numbers, and they would send a check, and you would send a check um, once they gave you the total. Nowadays, if you don't have an Ikea near you, you could just go online. So catalogs are definitely a thing of the past. This being a David Fincher film, a lot of the camera movements mimic ca character movements. The action is often choreographed to allow for movements to line up. There are several, several cool shots throughout the movie, but I want to just point out two. The first is in the scene where Tyler is saying, you're not your job. You're not how much money you have in your bank. While he's doing this monologue, the camera is zooming in on his face. And the screen starts moving like a film reel, burning up and coming on the reel. Uh, it's a cool shot that is flashed to later, replacing Tyler with Sebastian. I can't talk about cool shots in this movie without mentioning the final scene. Sebastian, thinking he has just rid himself of Tyler... In his coat and underwear, after being shot, holding hands with Marla, as they look through the massive windows watching the buildings blowing up and falling down because he was unable to stop Project Mayhem's plot. All while Where Is My Mind by the Pixie Plays. It's such a cool shot that, honestly, watching it just seems really surreal. It's, it, it's super cool. All in all, I am so glad to have watched this movie again. I would highly recommend it recommend that you check it out again if it's been a while like it was for me it definitely holds up and is most certainly in the best ever conversation uh tune in next time as i watch another movie from my past 
Hopefully it doesn't take as long for me to post the next episode. Until then, watch more movies.